My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. Like, oh, here we go, Mark. Off again with you. Mark being Mark again. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air, and it's like therapy, you know? If I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. You know, just tell your whole podcast. Yeah. So who are we talking about today, Matt? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Today is a different format. We've got myself swap casting, and I decided to also include my first guest appearance on Down the Rabbit Hole podcast with Mitch and Tyler. Really cool dudes. They've had me on their show once before for episode 39, and then recently we did a swap cast together. So I decided to put them both together on this feed. And uh, yeah, really awesome dudes. They've interviewed a bunch of great guests, Generation Z. They got Ari Asselin, Jack Allen, Odd Man, Matt Landman. Uh, let's see. I've been on this show twice. They've had Mike Dank on three times, Richard Willett, the New York Patriot, David Weiss, all kinds of great guests. So check them out, show them some love, and enjoy these conversations with Mitch and Tyler. Thank you for listening to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Show us some love on Patreon. And uh, oh, by the way, if you're in the Pittsburgh area, go down to Jimmy K's Bar and Grill. Jimmy K's, that's where Tyler and Mitch hang out. That bar sponsors their podcast. How cool is that? You got to find one of those for uh, my local area, huh? All right, folks. More in store. If you want to join the community, go on to Telegram. We got the Telegram now. Join in the Telegram. It's really fun over there. I'm always looking at my notifications and checking messages. Leave me a message. If you want to be heard on the show, go to podinbox.com slash MFTIC and leave us a message. Go over to the Patreon. We got a bunch of really awesome patrons. Shout out to Jacob Arthur, who just joined the Patreon today. We have uh, Justin Ruiz, who's been a Patreon for the past month here. We got a lot of really awesome folks in the club. So come on over. Patreon.com slash MFTIC. Enjoy this episode with Down the Rabbit Hole Podcast. Mitch and Tyler. Peace.
Welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast, and I am swap casting with my homies. Hell yeah. What's up, guys? Introduce yourselves. Tell the listeners of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast what podcast they are also listening to today. Awesome. This is my boy Tyler T. Saint. Tyler Saint. Yep. We're we, yeah, we're from the Down the Rabbit Hole podcast. Yeah. Exactly. Got- and I was honored to be a guest on their show once, and now here they are joining us on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy feed for a swap cast. And if you're listening from the down the rabbit hole feed already, <laughs> nice to meet you. Yes, this sir. is the, the awesome thing about doing the swap cast. But yeah, guys, I'm, I'm excited to get into it today. I'm just rolling something up right now. I'm coming off of a little trip with my better half towards the ley line we've been tracking this ley line here in connecticut have you guys looked into ley lines at all i have a little bit i think there is one that goes like just over pittsburgh which is where we're at we're about half an hour north of pittsburgh up the ohio river and i think there's one that goes right through there yeah i think you guys are on the 41st parallel yeah it's the 40th parallel i'm well get me my can you get me my map tara on the board there yeah pittsburgh's right about the 40th and i know your boy michael wan talks a lot about the 40th parallel river legends yeah I, i just started a new podcast with them called your handbook for the apocalypse oh yeah but yeah you guys are on this map hold on let me get to pittsburgh yeah we're over on the western side of pa he's focused on the eastern side and we're doing good, trying to enjoy each day, living in this ever-expanding now, as you like to say, one day at a time. Dude, you guys are definitely on some sort of alignment, but it's not the 41st parallel. I got that wrong. But you're on. You're right in between the 41st and the 40th parallel, right, yeah. which since you brought up Michael Wan, you'll know that his whole uh, book is called The Rights of the 40th Parallel, because mm-hmm. the 40th parallel goes through Lancaster goes yep. through Millersville, goes through Philly. So, yeah, very interesting stuff. Have you guys out been out to that side of Pennsylvania much? I only have been out there twice. I've only been in Philly once, and then I was up in near near Lancaster area touring colleges back when I was in high school. But it, it's beautiful over there, man. There's rolling hills, and it's just – you can really feel the energy. Yeah. Yeah, we went down there at the beginning of August, but – Mm-hmm. Really, Mike and all of his work has inspired me to go and look into, you know, my own backyard and check out Connecticut, which is why we went on that trip today. I have another map over here that I drew out myself last night where we found the ley line. And it's not easy because there's only like one book that talks even talks about this ley line. And we just synchronistically happened to find it on the ley line in Woodstock, New York, which is pretty much oh, nice. where the ley line goes through. But yeah, if you if you guys want to check this out, I'll probably put this on my Patreon for people to see. So if you're listening, check it out. I'll try to get that as close as I can. But that's where the ley line goes through. Wow. Right? Through the sort of like, you know, it makes like the southwest corner of Connecticut kind of like its own piece, you know? Right. But it goes through 15 different towns. That's the writing on there. And, yeah, it's amazing how many interesting spots happen to line up on that line. There's, to start with, Montauk, 
which oh yeah, that's sure a you big guys one. know <laughs> for sure what's going on at Montauk, and that's Montauk is on the forty first parallel, so that's the beginning of it. Then it goes into Westbrook, Connecticut, across a little harbor called Indian Town Harbor, and then it goes in to a town called Killingsworth. And then from there, it goes through a bunch of different towns all the way up to where we were today, which is Kent Falls State Park. And what's cool about this ley line is where we were at on the ley line, it's a gorge and waterfalls. So, I mean, not only was there the ley line energy, but there was definitely that natural energy there. So as far as research goes, I mean, there's certain books that I've found that have kind of shown me this stuff and... It's really interesting because it seems like, you know, nobody else other than this one author has really looked into this ley line at all. What author is that? Because I read The View Over Atlantis and they kind of touched on it a little bit there. But what are you talking about? So specifically when it comes to the Hamanasset line, this guy, Glenn Kreisberg, his book is the only one I can find that talks about the Hamanasset line. Um, I have it right here. And yeah, so his book, Spirits and it doesn't just talk about the Hammond Asset line. It talks about a bunch of different megalithic alignments, specifically in the Northeast. But he makes the connection that the Hammond Asset line is like a mirror to the constellation Draco. So mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, this is basically, you know, the threads, like they're going in different directions. And right now, I don't know what it all means. You know, I'm not an expert in this, but as Mm -hmm. I'm learning and researching, I have all the threads and, you know, talking about on the podcast is a good way to remember it. You know, that's that's one way to keep a record of it. A little bit of repetition. Yeah. The more times it'll stick better. But uh, I was going to ask you, are you and your significant others still searching for that bus to make it a mobile podcast spot and travel <laughs> around? How's that going for you? Yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens. That's definitely in the in the dream board, so to speak. Yeah. But yeah, we did find a, a bus that looked like it would have worked and ended up having more problems than we thought. So no, not quite yet. But yeah, definitely something we'd like to do for sure. Yeah, I bought a uh, camper. It's like a mini motor home in the spring, and I've been trying to convince Tyler to hop on the road with me. But I also have a girlfriend that has a steady job, and it's it's going to be a little hard for us to just hit the road for a while. But that that is the plan for us too to get in there and travel around and do podcasts from all over. Yeah, let me t- ask you then: What is there anything in your own backyard as far as Pittsburgh goes, like in your specific hometown, like? Any strange stuff going on that you've seen there? I wouldn't say anything strange as far as like energetically or like, you know, ley line, as far as ley lines are involved. But I mean, there's a lot of history in the area. We a got Johnny cool No Face. We do have Johnny No Face. He is. What's uh, that about? What's Johnny oh, No man. Face? Some guy back in the day got electrocuted and like burn his face off and to like hide from people he would just walk around at night so it's kind of like a local urban legend yeah. people would be driving around at night and see this guy with like a burnt off face and they're like oh my god it's johnny no face but that that's not really mystical or anything it's just one of our little urban urban legends around here we yeah with, with the uh, with the the mobile podcasting site we were we were thinking about more of traveling around the country checking things out like like the Georgia Guidestones or, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of, a lot of cool yeah. things like that. And, and just basing our podcasts off of where we are at that specific time, right. Doing deep dives, yeah. you know, 
Yeah, that's interesting. The Georgia Guidestones came up with Charlie Robinson when he was on the show last week. He was talking about how the Georgia Guidestones call for like 500 million people to be on the earth, which is, you know, 10% of -hmm. what there is now. And then you think about what they're saying with the vax, where it's like, yeah, 90% of people have to get it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. A a little bit, you know, eerie, but I don't know. I think that's why I really love looking into this ley line because it's an indication of where we used to be a long, long time ago, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's a look into the past. And I think, you know, at a time like now where things are so, you know, wild, it's, it's kind of a relief to go into the past and think about what it was like back then and, and how we can tap into that energy now. And I don't know. I mean, I, I I see the fear and whatnot, but I got to ask you being in Pittsburgh, like, is anybody wearing a mask out there? I've driven through Pittsburgh before. It seems pretty, I have a lot of common sense there. Yeah. Well, we're in a suburb and it's Trump's America around here. Like no one, does anything in our little town if you get close to the city i'm sure you'll see people walking around with masks just because it's a city and you'll have more left-leaning people in the cities but once you get 15 minutes out no one's doing any of that right on Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's good to know i think people around here are a little crazy about the masks still which is sad but it's still it's still nice to uh to be able to go into a store without one, even though there's a bunch of people wearing them. I don't know how strict it is over there, but it's yeah. pretty lax in Connecticut. Yeah, no and, one's uh, going to say anything here if you no. walk in without a mask. They don't care. Yeah, but I mean, in a kind of selfish way, like the lockdowns were, were really good for guys like us who want to get out on the road and travel because yeah, less the people traveling. There's no right. traffic, nobody goes on vacation, you know, all the things stop. I, I no completely doubt, agree. I, I was going to say, there is one spot that's like only 45 minutes away with us, the uh, the Snake Mound in Ohio. Oh, mm, yeah. yeah. I was only there <laughs> once, and it was just a stop on a trip. I was only there for maybe half an hour, but it was cool to see. I think it's a little bit more impressive if you get the aerial shot, but yeah, that's one of the more ancient sites that's around us. Yeah. So, so you've been there. You were there for a little bit. Yeah. Did you remember... Th- a particular feeling or some sort of sense of something while you were there like any emotions or thoughts that came over you a little bit it's it, it was kind of a quiet place you know kind of like if you stepped into a forest with no one around how you can just kind of hear the nature and there's no noise from you know cars driving by or any of that it, it kind of i kind of got that kind of feel where you didn't really hear anything. There's some people walking around, reading the plaques and doing stuff like that, but there wasn't any city noise, you know, it was kind of more of a natural, natural feel. Yeah, so, very ambient and peaceful. Right, yeah, exactly. There, there was a similar feeling today when we were checking out the ley line, you know, and especially this one part. It wasn't on the ley line, but it was on the way there, and that's what's so cool is like, you know, you can make a trip to go to Serpent Mound and, you know, go there and see it and whatever. But it really, it's the journey that is important, you know. And right. I think finding this ley line was so fun because on the way there, we found the Shagtikok Reservoir, which is uh, a reservation, which is where, you know, these Native Americans who got kicked out of Connecticut 
you know, when the colonists came in, they all flee and, you know, it was a bad situation. There's wars and they all gathered up in this one corner of the state. And I read about this a couple of weeks ago. And then, you know, just as a matter of coincidence, we drive down this road on our way to this ley line and boom, there's a reservation that I was like reading about less than a week ago. So that's, that's the side yeah. of it. That's cool. Yeah. Like when, when things come up like that, it, mm-hmm. it's an indication that like, Oh, maybe we're on the, on the right track, but right. yeah, I'm also like trying to take the podcast in that direction to like find some folks who do live on a reservation and interview mm-hmm. them, get their experience. And instead of just assuming, you know, uh, what, Native Americans think of these things, you know, for so, sure. So Mark, I wanted to ask you, have you visited any other ley line locations other than the one in your backyard in Connecticut? Well, when I went down to Philadelphia, mm-hmm. you know, partly to see Michael Wan, but the other person I visited when I was down there in Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia specifically was Ross Ben. Uh, yeah. Oh, I don't know, cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very, in tune you know he's written multiple books done the higher side chats a bunch yeah. people know him from there but he's a really cool guy you know it was an honor to meet him and obviously mike hooked that up and then he gave us a little tour and my girlfriend and i seemed to be like a magnet for animals because <laughs> he he was just sitting like five feet away from us and a little like toad starts hopping in between us and he's like Oh man, you never see them around this time of year. And that's been happening for months where animals just come around us. But either way, side note, and he he took us to this mound in Wissahickon Creek. So I would guess that there's a ley line there. I don't know for sure. Yeah. Uh, But Philadelphia definitely is on the ley line grid. I mean, that's that's for sure. So yeah, there. And then Washington, D.C. I went to Washington, D.C. last year. I'll be there this weekend. And that was pretty crazy. (laughs) So, uh, so when you visit these spots, like these high energy spots on ley lines, do you ever bring anything with you? Like, like crystals or quartz or anything to help maybe, you know, harness that energy and, and take it home with you? Have you ever tried anything like that? Yeah. Today I tried it. I mean, every other time I've been to ley line, it was by accident or maybe I just didn't realize it Mm -hmm. and felt the energy. I always have crystals in my car, at least. I mean, there's some in my car pretty much all the time. But no, I think intention is all you need to bring with you. No doubt. You know, so if you have something to do with the crystals, then yeah, bring them with you to the ley line. If you want to leave them behind as an offering or you want to hold them with you while you sort of feel the energy. But it's a really personal thing. And it's also something that, you know, maybe it isn't for everybody because it might it might have an effect on you that you're not conscious of. And then that's going to maybe color your experience and you'll be like, well, it was cool, but I didn't feel anything. Even though like 10, maybe five weeks later, something else happens and then something else. And then next thing you know, five years later, you're like, whoa, if I never went to that mound or if I never went to that ley line, I wouldn't be here right now. And and it's usually a good feeling, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think these spots have a potential to change your life. So if that means bringing crystals with you to change your life, so be it. Some people, you know, find power in other objects, you know, but crystals, I think 
inherently have energy. People know that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be the expert on that, but you know, you can find someone to tell you about that for sure. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. I think there's sometimes in the moment it's hard to see the signs that this might be an important experience or an important sign for you. And like you said, later on, it might reveal itself to you. And you just got to, like, you're always preaching it on your podcast, uh, the searching for the ever expanding now. It's, you're, what, how do I want to Well, and you have to pay attention to the synchronicities too. It's just yeah. like signs that are going to show you. The more you get used to it, yeah. the better you are at seeing them and understanding that, okay, that's a little sign. That's a little omen, you know? Well, and also it's like, synchronicity is really like what what's the point you know there has to be a point Mm -hmm. like i think i think people synchronicities happen to people all the time and they don't recognize them because they're not living in alignment with who they are whatever their purpose is right so maybe those synchronicities because you're you know working this job that's not what you really want to be doing maybe the synchronicities at that point in your life are going to be pulling you to do things that expand your reality and maybe open up those opportunities that would create a reality that you're more suitable to live in. Right. And I think part, part of being aware of them is when you're aware that, Oh, I want to change my reality. Mm -hmm. Then you start to see and act on it. Right. I think that's kind of, the message I'm getting at with the synchromistic exploration of the ever expanding now, because I love it. (laughs) You know, the expanding now is happening before you every moment, you know, it's right now, you know, even whenever someone listens to this in the future, it's now. So that's it. And when you realize that's all it is, then you can have a better grasp on where you're going. And what I mean by that is if you can feel the way you want to feel wherever, you know, whether it's you're in a Ferrari or a mansion, you know, the, the superficial cliche stuff, or whether it's something simple like, you know, having a relationship or having a better job or having, you know, a house that, you know, a better house or whatever it may be that you want to bring into your reality. You have to feel the way you would feel when you have it now. Otherwise, you're not going to make it there, right? That's kind of... And, and then it gets into like crazy territory when you start setting that type of intention towards figuring out a ley line or figuring out UFOs or finding Sasquatch. You know what I mean? Like any of these odd pursuits, they seem like, yeah, okay, that's crazy. You're never going to get any results there. But if that's part of your purpose and your alignment to go out and explore the unknown or the fringe or the paranormal you're going to see synchronicities that lead you to maybe see a UFO one day or see, you know, whatever it is. So I think that's kind of the fun of, of the scene is like, what is there to be seen? You know, obviously we could play around with that word a lot, but you know, we're really just talking about something that people have been doing forever. You know, it's just culture. Culture is shaping your reality and most people aren't aware of it. And that's the really that's the real problem with where we're at right now is a lot of people end up feeling hopeless and depressed. And then they go to the, you know, mommy's little helper pills and all the you <laughs> yeah. know comfort from the nanny state instead of taking a rite of passage and, you know, facing their fears or 
you know, having a near-death experience, which is what some people, you know, do to wake up and see the world for what it really is. But I think now we don't even have to go to those extreme levels. It's, it's a matter of opening yourself up to it, you know, and yeah. that's that's the other side of it. It's like you're, we don't know what's happening. We're just open to, to what could come. I completely agree. It's it's all about your mindset. You have to put yourself in that reality, and then it, the law of attraction. Whatever you're putting out in the universe, it'll come back to you. You know, and also and also being a true true human being. Like this mm-hmm. is something that I didn't make up. It's not something that I came up with. This is something that someone told me when I was eighteen, nineteen, and it all had to do with this red hawk feather that I found. And I take it to my mentor, Amos, who I probably talked about with you guys the first time so. I was with Yeah, you know, I've heard you talk show. about him before, too. Right. And, you know, he, he told me, he's like, oh, you found this, you know, this was a sign. I prayed for you and found, you know, that it was true. You're a true human being, you know, paraphrasing there. But in other words, you know, that moment, it was like, oh, okay, this person recognizes that I care about everybody and that's why I'm interested in this stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that sounds a little crazy or deep maybe to people who don't, maybe I'm not explaining it the, the, in the best ways, but I think altruism and loving everybody and really trying to understand what that means on a realistic level, how you can help the world and make a positive impact on the world. That is the place you need to be in order to have the best results with the law of attraction. Cause the universe helps those who helps others. I mean, that's, and everything you put out comes back to you threefold, right? Yeah, so, for sure. And th- so, yeah, I mean, these are all things that people have been talking about in books and seminars and, you know, people have probably made lots of money selling stuff to people, but I think it's pretty common sense nowadays that it works. And that's part of what I want to do on the show is explore it and show people how real it could be and how I've changed my life for the better. And and it wasn't like a quick fix that I'm going to sell you in 90 minutes. It's like, no, it's a part of who I am and like dig into who you are. And like you said, Tyler, you know, recognizing the synchronicities, I think more importantly, you you need to recognize the story and how your life is a story Mm -hmm. and everyone else is living their own story and some of our stories interweave into other people's stories, but all of those stories make up a larger story. <laughs> and in the past, there was a story, and in the future, there's a story. And you can decide to look into whichever one you want, but you know, don't lose track of the story that is your life because you're the only one who's going to write it. So that's I don't know. That's kind of the law of attraction to me. <laughs> so I love it. So you know, you were talking about culture and how culture is just a. I don't remember how you phrased it, but it was like a, a way of of living and explaining the world that we live in. Right. Like as this intertwines with energetic ley lines and stuff, do you think ancient cultures? had a way better understanding of this than what we have now. And do you think that there's like maybe a deliberate like burying of this just natural knowledge that humans have? Yeah. Yeah. I think most people that would listen to a show like this have probably had that suspicion that there's something going on, you know, forbidden knowledge, hidden knowledge, esoteric knowledge, Absolutely. all of those words, like cult, you know, they just mean hidden. And that's because, 
yeah, you know, to powerful people comes a lot of responsibility. And I think in the past, that responsibility wasn't given so freely. So they had to hide the information. And then the people who were holding the information became irresponsible and created the world we're in now, you know? So, yeah, I think ancient cultures were much wiser and were living in some sort of cataclysmic, post-cataclysmic, you know, version of whatever that was, where, excuse me, where, you know, the empires as we know them have held on to some sort of technology from that ancient time and have been, you know, really unable to recreate it because they maybe lack the understanding of how to really tap into it. I don't know for sure. We think there's technology at play that proves that where we're at now technologically is not the most advanced we've ever been. Right. You right. Know? There's a better way to do things. the megaliths and stuff Be, that like, are built oh, on okay. ley lines. Right. Mm-hmm. They're so, especially built on ley lines. It. That could be it. But again, it's like, maybe this is part of what I'm looking to find out. Can't say I have the answers to answer that, but that's what I've heard a lot of people say. And I have to go to the ley line myself to find out. You know? <laughs> so like today, <laughs> I didn't see any megaliths. I saw a lot of cool stones. I saw a lot of big stones. I saw things that seemed out of place. But when you consider, you know, what's going on, you know, this ley line being uh, sort of like a highway for animals and people and energy, energy, spirits, who knows, you know, everything could be traveling along this line. Why else would they do the Montauk experiment? at that one spot, you know, because maybe because it connected to the Hammond asset line and the 41st parallel and maybe the Bermuda triangle or whatever else, you know, <laughs> who knows, or, and Draco too, the, the dragon constellation. So there's a lot at play with the ley line. I think the fact is, is we're dealing with an energetic world and absolutely to answer your question about, are they hiding it from us? Yeah. Because they want to be able to, whoever they is, have access to the energy in that monopoly fashion that you see with like the diamond company or the mm-hmm. oil companies or the media company. Like right. look at and any the pharmaceutical companies. Yeah, yeah. They're they're If they're not monopolized outright, then they have a conglomerate of mm-hmm. companies that work together to fix the prices. And, you know, Charlie was just on the show talking about how these hospitals charge 400 times what it costs so they they pay a two dollars for a bag of saline salt water right. and they charge you 800 for like you that's know ridiculous to that yeah, that's absolutely go to the hospital so it's you know this is the kind of thing that happens when these groups get together and hold any kind of power over anybody whether it's like the power to give you your health back <laughs> even if it only hurts you more and more and more and more until you realize like, Oh my God, it's too late. I don't know if people even realize it. Cause it seems like by the time the hospital really gets done with you, your mind's gone too, yeah. you know, but, but yeah, I don't want to turn this into anti yeah, right. <laughs> show. We love those guys. They're so uh, great. We Helpful. love those guys. <laughs> well, I mean, in, in, in terms of like hoarding knowledge and, and stuff like that, that's, it's a perfect explanation for the reason why they're secret societies. It's like they have the knowledge of the past and then they hoard it and pass it down through generations 
so that they know, but the public can't know. And it's just a huge mechanism of control. Yeah. And it used to work in a way that benefited everyone. I think it used to work in a way where like, you know, only the like people who seemed like they would be a good fit for it would then join and become an adept, you know, first you're Mm -hmm. a neophyte, then, you know, whatever other stages. And and this is more than just knowledge of like the energy of the earth with ley lines and, you know, et cetera. This is things like alchemy, you know, things like what used to be called magic, you know, all, all those type of things. So, I mean, it goes in a lot of different avenues. Well, one thing that Ross Ben talks about in his book is like, and Sam Tripoli actually, as a matter of fact, has been saying it a lot on tinfoil hat, not that they Who's that guy? were in sync, <laughs> <laughs> but like this whole thing of inversion, how they flip things, right? And yeah. Sam says it all the time. But what Ross said in, in the beginning of his book, Great Mystery Philadelphia, is that they were inverting the divine right to rule from the Moors to the, you know, white people, for lack of a better word. Right. Uh, I think they were talking about like the Slavs, which is why they use that word slave. To mm-hmm. refer to Ooh. indentured servants yeah, that, who happened to that's be interesting. Black. That is where that. slave originated. The Slavics were the first slaves. Yeah. Wow. Right. So and that was and that was because of the Roman Empire, and then they flipped it and then applied that term to who were normally called Moors at that time, mm-hmm. the Moorish people, mm-hmm. aka people from Africa. So, right. you know, this is a process of alchemy that they do in language and culture and society to flip these things. And if you go to certain places in Switzerland, they have all these like you know, you've seen the European flags. They have them they have them a lot in Connecticut actually. It's weird. <laughs> but you know, they'll have emblems, family crests and yeah. emblems, right? Well, in Europe, a lot in like Switzerland and places that used to be Prussia have these statues of what are called Moore's head, Moore's heads. And they're essentially just a depiction of a black man. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's a saint, Saint Maurice, who was a black man from Egypt, who eventually, according to history, stopped a sacrifice because he was like, no, I'm a Christian. I wouldn't do that. Because the Roman Empire was using this legion from Egypt to fight their war in France. And the Romans were like, you got to kill all these Christians for this pagan sacrifice. And St. Maurice was like, no, I'm a Christian. I'll never do that. And he was canonized as a saint. Anyways, long story short, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of going all over the place here. But people I, can get this straight up our alley. From Ross Ben, but yeah, it's a process of inversion. Like though that shows you that like African people have had um, way more interesting and in-depth history in Europe than just being slaves. Like we're told in in America, like oh yeah, African people were in Africa. That's it. They never left. And then we went there, we grabbed them, and we brought them to America, and they helped us build America. Isn't it great? You know, that's the kind of story we get. But when you look into history, you see that, I don't know, there are huge kingdoms in Africa for thousands of years. And then Europe kind of came about and started taking over. So you see this inversion happen where, you know, who were once Egyptian rulers, the divine right to rule. Now it's the European 
divine right to rule. So mm-hmm. this is the kind of alchemy inversion process that went on in Europe, and then they tried to apply it here in America with the indigenous people. Right. Now, we're bringing up alchemy a lot, and I know a lot of my normie listeners, as soon as you say alchemy, all they think about is transmuting lesser metals into gold, when in reality there's many branches of alchemy. And I've heard you've been doing a little digging into alchemy. Do you want to maybe explain to the people what the other forms of alchemy are, how it can be more than just a chemical process of turning metals into gold? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. It's like, so people tend to think of it as like a, you know, magical, oh, Harry Potter, wizards, and like people who weren't in society were doing this stuff. No, you know. Yeah, Isaac Newton practiced that. Yeah, Yeah. Johann Kepler, like all these people that were making scientific breakthroughs, they were practicing alchemy too. And the first governor of the Connecticut colony was an alchemist. His name was John Winthrop Jr. or John Winthrop the Younger. And, you know, they did a lot of alchemical things like creating ironworks, you know, these furnaces that would take ore and and burn it and turn it into iron, melt certain minerals, which at that time, that seemed like magic. You know, you go out into a mountain, you find the right type of rock, bring it to a furnace, put it on fire, and then you have iron, which you can then make a knife or a sword or whatever you want with. I mean, that's magic in those terms, you know, in those times. So we have to understand the context through which alchemy used to be understood. You know, you actually can change things, one thing to another. It's just, Mm -hmm. we call that material science now. We don't call it alchemy, right? So the same people that were doing these types of chemistry, material science experiments were also obviously very interested in turning anything they could into gold because gold is the most valuable substance. And Yes, there is information online where people say like, yeah, you can like make monoatomic gold and like there are right. ways to to use like the electromagnetic physics of the earth, not, you know, the materialism physics that we get from school. We're talking about ether physics. We're talking right. about the electro universe, you know, that in that paradigm, maybe that exists. I don't know. Not the expert to talk to here on <laughs> that, but you know, in a broader sense, alchemy was just magic. Like everything from exorcism to tarot card reading to could have fallen under the the realm of alchemy. The word alchemy, alchem, alchemet, all chemet, chemet being the old word for Egypt. So these are just the, you know, magical arts of of the old world. And one of those things is changing the landscape and, you know, doing this type of alchemy that creates a country from thin air. Mm -hmm. I know early alchemists used to have like three goals and one was, you know, turning metals into gold. The other was creating an elixir of life, something that could cure all diseases and Immortality. immortality. Exactly. And there was also a branch that kind of took those beliefs and, made it into they wanted to perfect the human body and the human soul and make those perfect and that kind of gets into this new age of aquarius where our consciousness is rising and 
I, I feel like they were just trying to raise their consciousness enough to maybe become a higher dimensional being in the next life or something, you know? Right. Well, I, I think, you know, and I'm sorry, I feel like I maybe didn't answer your question. Oh, no, you're good. But, <laughs> no, it's okay. I'll, I'll answer it now. So I think, you know, alchemy really comprises of exactly what you're talking about. You know, people get hung up on that metaphor of lead to gold. But right. that's exactly what it is. Although there are people who have tried to turn lead to gold, that is intended, from my perspective, to be a metaphor for transmuting your consciousness from one of like physical reality stuck to material things, only thinking that this is the one life you have to gold, which is uh, a metaphor for enlightenment, illumination, or maybe even a connection with a higher power. Exactly. And in the old days, the mystery schools or secret societies would do sort of like a induced near death experience to get people to awaken to the fact that they are not, their human body and they have a soul outside of that and then when you can understand that you'll understand that like oh okay alchemy is taking the soul that i have right now and perfecting it making it better improving upon it so that in the long run i can achieve a sense of immortality because I'll be conscious of this lifetime and then the bridge between this lifetime and my next incarnation. Because when you have right. that near-death experience, you see that, oh, I am not, you know, just this body I'm in, you know, a whole being that has many, many lifetimes of experience. And I chose to come in this body. And, you know, I've only intuited that. It's a lot of stuff I've heard and learned and, and seen from others. And it resonates with me. And I think that's because some at some point along my journey, I learned how to listen to my heart. That's it. And I think everybody can do it. Everybody can do it. They can listen to their heart. They listen to their intuition, trust their heart, trust their intuition, and let it guide you to understand things. And don't be afraid to be wrong. That's the other thing. Because when yeah. you're too harsh of a critic on yourself, you stop yourself from getting you know as far as you could go. So I think that was something that, for me, just having fun and learning about this stuff, you know, which felt like the opposite of school because there's no pressure. You know, I just learn at my own pace and, like, pick up a book, read as much as I want, put it down, never pick it up again if I don't want to, you right. know. And I think no. that's part of trusting your heart, your intuition, and getting along in life, you know, the way. That's something that would maybe bother me. Once I start something, I have this overwhelming urge to finish it. So unless I, it's only like the first five or ten pages of a book, if I get halfway through a book, I have to finish that thing, man. It's, I don't know, it's like a Sheldon Cooper little thing I got. But I loved what you're saying about immortality. It's, it's not this body is going to be immortal. You realize that your soul is immortal. It will live on. And I was real into that shit in college. I got a tattoo of the Philosopher's Stone on me and the uh, Flower of Life with a uh, Merkaba and a Caduceus on my back with my chakras and everything. So I, I went down like this hermeticism rabbit hole in college and a lot of alchemy shown in hermeticism how it's just, how do I want to put this? Your life is more than this life it's your soul will live on you've had past lives and what you're trying to do is 
take steps forward. You're trying to increase your karma instead of putting bad karma and energy out there. You're trying to get to a higher vibrational frequency, you know? Right. And, you know, that might not be everybody's path either. I don't know if everybody comes here awake to that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of like navigating this life is when you get to that higher vibration from where you were, you know, yourself being the perspective on what is higher because you don't want to compare yourself to others. You know, you don't want to get into spirituality and then like look at a guru and be like, Oh, I'll never be good at this. You know, like maybe that might be your path to be that strict and disciplined, but you know, don't, again, don't be hard on yourself to learn. I think that's, that's part of it. It's like everybody's on their own path and, not everybody's meant to wake up. I think some people come into this life to have a totally three D experience yeah. and not interact with the four D more than like, oh, I had a nightmare, <laughs> you know. And then they, <laughs> then they, that's it. Like people, it's and it sounds sad from the perspective that we have of like, oh wow, dreams are fascinating. Dreams are, you know, but maybe it's like you know, blue pill in that sense of like, Oh, bliss, you know, it's better not to know. Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> where, yeah, exactly. Where, where you, you kind of can just like rest easy maybe, but I rest easy even knowing the truth of like the red pills and stuff. I, I don't, I don't get bogged down with the black pill, cool guy shit, you know, it's, yeah, it's, me neither. Me neither. You no, know, I, I think, I think it's all about like, again, taking it easy at your own pace, not being too critical and, and following your heart. Cause your heart's going to show you the truth. I mean, and, and your truth might be different than someone else's that I think that's part of karma too. It's not just like, Oh, if you do good things, good things come back to you or bad things. And then bad things happen to you. It's like your karma is who you are. It's how your life's going to play out. And if you do one thing, like let's say I open this book and I read the first line, you know, and do you mean to tell me you could have taken your head? This is a, this <laughs> a comedy book. Forget about it. But Bad example. Way, my, point is, my point, you know, that one sentence could have changed somebody's whole day and then maybe even their life in a way, you know, it just like yeah. your life, right? One of those books in the back of your shelf. So there's that butterfly effect that's like looming on the horizon at any moment. You just got to be able to seize it, take it, grasp it. So I'm curious, Mark, do you think that, you know, as we were talking about, everybody's on their own plane of consciousness. Do you think that there are some people in this world that are just NPCs? Like they're just like, they're just, that that might be what I just described with like the person never wakes up to, to the higher, but I don't think that I don't really like to think in terms of like a computer simulated reality. I like the metaphor of like a holographic simulation, but no, I don't, I don't think anybody's like an NPC. Cause that to me implies that they have no chance yeah. of waking up. And I don't, I don't think that's true. Maybe there's people who are like, yeah, their fate, they're, they're doomed or something, whatever. Like there's no hope for them because of something they did in the now. But I, I don't think, no, I don't believe in the NPCs. It's a, it's definitely like a convenient metaphor for where we're at. But I, I do think that in a way it's deceptive and it gets people to think into these transhumanist terms of like, oh, everything's a simulation. Computers are normal too. 
Which is true. Everything's made from, you know, natural parts. Even plastic comes right. from, you know, oil in the ground. But in a sense, there's like the bio-organic reality that we are a part of that nourishes us and supports us. And then there's this cold, steel, metal, electronic reality that has smog and affects our auras and yeah. you know gives us headaches emf radiation shit like yeah that. there's yeah. clearly like a toxifying effect i mean it's just common sense you can tell people are generally unhealthy especially people that spend a lot of time in front of a screen whether it's television phone or computer and i'm not a saint i'm on a podcast right now looking right. at the screen you know so we all have to have a balance but as far as NPCs goes, I think if you make the choice to totally commit to the Matrix full force and and you're just in it, yeah, then well, I'll call you an NPC. But <laughs> I think there was a point in that person's life when, you know, they could have taken a left turn towards not being an NPC. Right. They just kind of assimilate into that, that lifestyle. Right. It, it's not implying that they don't have a soul or anything. Yeah, it's yeah, just that right. they are completely asleep and they don't even have any inkling or any want to wake up you know well and i think that's part of like the incessant you know prevalence of alcohol everywhere you know and like not that alcohol is per se bad as a chemical i think there were times when people brewed alcohol that had like an enlightening effect the same way cannabis might but nowadays there's like you know fluoride in beer there's all kinds of like concentrated forms of alcohol like lick hard liquors Mm -hmm. that are you know processed sugars and yeah i think that just takes us out of conscious reality you know plants have us you know a little bit more in touch with our nervous system our psychic side that's Mm -hmm. that's my perspective and my experience that might not be true for everybody but I would recommend plants. Alcohol, like I said, it used to be a plant. Now it's so like toxified, it seems, that it adds to this general unconsciousness that, you know, takes people out of the now, the ever-expanding now, but also maybe blinds them from seeing that opportunity to, to taste something better, you know, or not taste, but achieve yeah, something yeah. spiritually that they couldn't. And, you know... I'm not an expert on any of that, so I don't mean to poke <laughs> yeah. at anybody who has an alcohol problem. We don't plan is, to be that experts is rough, on anything but, either. We're but I think nothing. that's like a sign of the times. There's many others. You know, that's just one example of it. But yeah, I would say like, you know, people's addiction to their phones that that definitely makes them an NPC for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this guy hitting his a uh, little nick stick here that. Yeah. I hate it, man. Oh, the robo smoke. Yeah, yeah. That, that shit ain't good. Yeah, we're yeah. trying to cut down on vices over here, but it's a I work in progress. Yeah, my, my, my thing is, is blunts, but at least those grew out of the ground. Yeah, absolutely. I used to be a big blunt guy until you know, a couple months ago when something happened, but if, if I was smoking weed, I, it would always be in a blunt. I there's no better way to smoke. It is it. the best way. You gotta, you gotta move out of PA, bro. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm a, on a little bit of a probation right now for my activities on January 6th, but it's okay. Right. Yeah, that that'll yeah. that'll be in the past eventually, and I'm focusing on the now, you know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I'm I'm glad I I'm glad I avoided that whole thing. I think that's part of it. Is like 
the political back and forth, you know. It's yeah. the Hegelian dialect that they're trying to push us into to get us to fight with each other. You know, Sam well, says it all the time. Yeah, well, if I'm not but, mistaken, man, it wasn't necessarily about the politics for you. It was more about the spectacle and just being there for the for the historic yeah. moment that you know was going to happen. Yeah, and I was just trying to get some content for the podcast and everything. Uh, yeah, P- people no love talking geopolitics and like you said, I am totally against the whole right versus left paradigm where it's just nothing ever gets achieved. They're always just saying, well, this is this, this is it, and just constant arguing. I hate that. But to an certain, to a certain extent, man, it is it is fun, though. You know, I understand why people like to talk well, about it. I only say that because I had the opportunity to go. Like, a bunch of people invited me, and I'm like, oh, man, like, <laughs> I, my heart goes out to you, bro, because that sucks, you know? Yeah. Now you got to deal with something that you probably wouldn't have. But I get it. Yeah, definitely worth a shot <laughs> right. getting some content. But, yeah, my buddy Alex Stein of the Conspiracy Castle podcast yeah. is always oh, he's doing awesome. stuff like that. He's always getting, you know, put sticking his nose in that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's just not. I don't know. I I used to have more instinct to do that, but lately I've gotten a lot more chill about that kind of stuff. That's probably for the best. I feel like I was just a little bit too rowdy, and I mean, we had no intention of entering any buildings or anything when we went down there. We just went for the stop the steel election rally and see what was going on and. One yeah. thing led to another, and we were inside the Capitol building, you know, but it happens. <laughs> well, I went to a climate change march, so boy, do I regret that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Are you uh, totally off the climate change wagon now? Because some people oh, are like... Oh, yeah. I mean, I realized that it was a, it, it's a conspiracy. Yeah. Not that I didn't, like, know about conspiracies back then. I just was a little more naive and, and felt like... You know, I was a part of something that was for the better, but no, man, that was totally, like, in a way, a big psyop. Yeah, we just had Matt Landman on the pod a couple weeks ago talking about geoengineering, and that's the real problem, you know? Yeah. Us driving our cars around is not having a super great effect on the atmosphere. It's the harp ionosphere heaters and the chemtrails and shit. That That's the real problem, you know? Mm, definitely. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty certain that that's what we're going to run into when we start learning more and more about the oh, yeah. lines. It's like there's a, a process, you know, like we're saying, these secret societies, they know about this stuff, the they, the all-present they. So what they do is they build dams and they build, you know, power plants and, and waste facilities and recycling centers and all these fucking big buildings that have a lot of, like, static energy and i think it either if it doesn't demagnetize the ley line it definitely diminishes the energy and maybe channels that energy into whatever they're doing so Mm. i think that's part of what's you know cool about looking in this stuff and why i asked you guys about what you've learned about your area because there's you know, weird stuff everywhere. I mean, I guarantee mm. Pittsburgh's got Tartarian buildings, uh, yeah. buildings that people are saying are Tartarian buildings, you know. And Honestly. That, even if it's not Tartarian, you can still be like, whoa, that's cool, you know. Like, we found this uh, this place in Ivorytown, Connecticut, that had, like, a piano factory. And then you find out, like, wow, there's all these elephant statues in this town because back in the, you know, 1800s, 
they're shipping all these tusks, you know, elephant hmm. tusks for the ivory and then making pianos and selling those pianos. So it's like, even if that doesn't have to do with Tartaria, it's still interesting to know about, you know? Yeah, I've, my girlfriend lives closer to the city than me, so I'm down there like every other day. And I'm always looking for the old style buildings with the copper rooftops that might be able to like harness electricity and stuff and i'm like mm. should i just stop there and ask to see their basement and see if it has like underground levels and shit and i haven't yet but i i think i'm gonna start exploring these buildings more than i have you know yeah yeah i mean obviously the abandoned ones maybe would be easier to explore but you know it doesn't hurt to ask you right. know, i'll just not? say i'm a university student doing a architecture some or another and be yeah, like, yeah, look, can I look at your basement? <laughs> you look like a Carnegie Mellon yeah. kind of guy. So wear right. <laughs> wear like an Amazon delivery vest and you can get it anybody. <laughs> yeah, really though. Yeah, I got a delivery anything. third subfloor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. I definitely took advantage of that when I was a delivery guy. There yeah. was like well, yeah, Yale University. I got to explore a lot wow. of that when I was delivering bread. And then there are some strange places in Hartford that I saw when I was delivering Amazon packages, like the Trinity College and like the UConn Science Laboratory. I got in there mm-hmm. a couple times. So there, there's definitely, I would say, more to see than people would expect until you go look, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. I lived out in Utah for four years. I went to college out there and I noticed I, I looked up a ley line map before we went on the show. And I noticed Salt Lake is a huge hub of ley lines, and I never knew that before. And they also have some Tartarian buildings. Apparently, the Salt Lake Temple has like four stories underground, and you're not allowed in a Mormon temple unless you've been cleared by their bishop or elder. The Mormon committee of... (laughs) Honestly, like if you have premarital sex, you're not allowed to get married, you're not allowed to enter the building. Like it's insane. They have crazy amount of rules, but... Well, it's a Freemason religion, you know? It's like, you know, this country was started as an experiment, right? They they experimented with all these different cultures and religions to see what would work best from the perspective of whoever's in charge, you know? Whoever can reap the rewards of the plantation workers you know they literally call them plantations you know and all over the united states you have places with this history that goes back i mean yeah i would definitely look further into that the salt lake city the mormons and how they connect to where you're at right now because there's definitely mormons in pennsylvania for sure Yeah, yeah for sure yeah well, Mark, as you continue to embark on your late line and journey, your ley line adventures and journeys, while wow, that was a slip up, keep in touch and let us know what you find because we're we're yeah. into that stuff, man. We we want to get out on the road, hit, hit the RV, and take yeah. the show on the road too. Well, I mean, you guys, you know, already kind of being so close to the Serpent Mountain, get back over there. Yeah, I know, man. Yeah, like, I know. See, see what's in between, you know, because if it's the Serpent Mountain, it's like this like whole hub, like maybe there's some mounds around it that haven't been totally demolished. One book well, I definitely would recommend are, yeah. you guys get because you're in this area is it's by Fritz Zimmerman. Okay. Fritz Zimmerman, and it's all about the Ohio River Valley mounds. Oh, uh, yeah. We are dead center of the Ohio River Valley. Yeah. All right, you're going to love this. It's called The Nephilim Chronicles, a travel guide to ancient ruins in the Ohio Valley. 
I am ordering and that as soon as we hop off this yeah, call. Yeah, that ties into the giants found in the area with uh, yeah. all the burial mounds and everything. That's mm-hmm. a deep rabbit hole. <laughs> yes, it might be, you know, a little bit of a trek because it is mostly focused around southern Ohio. But if you guys aren't oh. too far from there in Pittsburgh. Yeah, we're yeah, this, 10 this minutes from the, the border. So yeah, we're right Indiana there. too has a lot of a lot of mounds as well, and I've always thought you know Indiana is a strange like place. You know, Indian mm-hmm. Indiana. You know, it's just interesting that they would name the state that, and like, yeah, a lot to go into there that I still haven't even researched yet. But dude, this has been fun, Tyler, Mitch. Thank you for uh, no doubt, yeah. joining me again. Yeah, thank you, Mark. It's been great. Yeah. I, I hate to stop this amazing conversation we're having, but we do have to bounce here soon. And I, th- I thought we covered a lot of different topics. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, likewise, dude. No worries. I got to uh, make some food. I'm hungry. I'm <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. Well, finish that blunt first, and you'll be right wait, on Wait, fire. wait, Do you want to, like, plug your stuff for our listeners since we're going to share this? Uh, yeah, and then. Yeah, My Family Thinks I'm Crazy is the podcast. Search it on any podcast app. I prefer if you use, like, something other than Spotify, but yeah. it's up to you. And then same name, MyFamilyThinksI'mCrazy.com. The synchromistic exploration of the ever-expanding now that you heard about Love that. is only available on our Patreon, patreon.com slash MFTIC. And I have a new podcast out with Michael Wan called Your Handbook for the Apocalypse. That comes out once a week. I'll be sure to and, check uh, that out. Also, be on the lookout for Matrix Memoirs, okay. which is another new podcast that my girlfriend is the Damn. host of. You're about I to be like Sam Tripoli having like 10 shows. <laughs> oh, already yeah we're uh just down the rabbit hole with mitch vuk a link tree slash dtrh pod that's the only link you need it got our twitters and everywhere you can listen to the show and that's about it all right mark right appreciate it man we'll talk yeah. to you soon likewise peace brother Take it easy. much love well there you have it rabbit holers that was mark steves from the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast Apparently, he has like four other podcasts now, too, so make sure you go. All the links will be in the show notes and check all that out. I thought it was a banging conversation, man. It's always an expanding of the mind when you talk to Mark Steves. He always seems to be on our exact wavelength. I love talking to the man. Take it away, Mulder. There you go. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer. Because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Greetings, rabbit holers. Today we're going down the hole with Mark Palmer. He's the host of My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, which is a great podcast. I love listening to that. He just had Tommy Chong on for his 50th episode. It was awesome. He also created Alt Media United, which is an alternative media cooperative, and we are super happy and proud to be a part of that. We thank him a lot for letting us join that. Mark, how are you doing? 
Fantastic. Thanks for having me here, guys. It's nice to meet you guys, and it's yeah. nice to be here jumping down the rabbit hole. <laughs> for sure, man. It's, it's great to put a face to the name. I actually get to see you through, through this computer screen. Likewise. Yeah. So we start the show every time by asking what sent you down the rabbit hole, because everyone's trip down the rabbit hole of truth is different and we like to explore different ways people jump into the truth or rabbit hole so when did your family first think you're crazy (laughs) (laughs) well they've always thought i was crazy to some degree right (laughs) uh, because really truthfully this journey started for me um from childhood i've always been curious i've always been interested in things that you know weren't encouraged i would say Not that learning wasn't encouraged when I was a kid, but I was always interested in learning when other kids were like, oh, let's play kickball and stuff. So I was definitely a huge nerd for like elementary school. Then middle school, I kind of got out of my shell and was like, oh, yeah, I got to be a class clown and all this stuff. But really what happened with that was it led me into martial arts because trying to like be, you know, more social and stuff, I got into some conflicts with the rougher kids and I was a little rough myself so I learned martial arts and and dedicated a lot of time to it and I think that facilitated the foundation right my curiosity my love for learning and then martial arts and those three things all culminated and exploded when I smoked weed for the first time (laughs) smoking weed like made me realize how much I had not seen about the world because at that point in my life i was kind of anti-establishment right Mm -hmm. but i was also anti-religion which i didn't realize that i wasn't anti-spiritual like i've always been spiritual but for me it took a while to see the difference and so that was a big part of it like smoking weed made me understand spirituality and that led into all the conspiracy stuff because like sam says i mean he's been saying this a lot lately maybe i had something to do with mm-hmm. it but <laughs> all conspiracy leads to spirituality and, yes sir and yeah we started saying that too the bottom of the rabbit hole is spirituality it's finding yourself finding your purpose and understanding that there's more to the world than just walking around and going to work and suffering every day. So to answer your question real precisely then, yeah, no, I agree with that hundred percent. So to, to really wrap it all up in a bow, it's, I've always felt like there was a deeper meaning to life that was worth seeking out. And it actually really was disheartening and, and not very encouraging when I found out how, Many people, at least in my immediate surrounding, didn't share that same, you know, questioning for life. And it wasn't mm-hmm. until I found podcasts that I was like, oh, wow, there are people who are 10 times smarter than me talking right. about all these things. Amen. I'm like bothering my friends. They can barely make it through a conversation without, you know, telling me to shut the fuck up. You right. Know? <laughs> I, I, I get that completely. I tried... Most of my friends and my parents actually are very understanding of my conspiratorial mind and how deep I am. One, my grandparents are not. They they think I'm a little crazy. You know, it's it's hard to explain things like Bitcoin and you know the world, the global satanic pedophile cults. You know, you can't really explain that to them without them looking at you like you're fucking nuts. We, you have to implant the information and let them discover it for themselves. But with that being right. said, I, I've brainwashed my family. They, they're completely <laughs> down the rabbit hole, and it didn't yeah. take long to do it. So, 
well, you must be a confident teacher then, because I think that's a big part of it. And that's something I learned from David Way. Is like, he was so confident and talking to me about Taoism and all the things he does. But when I asked him, you know, well, does, does your family practice this stuff with you? He's like, hell no, man. You know, like yeah. they do their own thing. And, and it is cool when you can like unite your family around one thing. I remember last summer I was milking cows on this farm. And one of the things that I really loved about working on that farm was the whole family was, you know, up and woke and not like believing any of this pandemic BS. And I'm using woke in the real sense of the word, not the, right. you know, we know. But but that was so encouraging to be on a farm full of people who all saw this, you know, because my family's not like that. You know, they, they're not completely bending over backwards, but when it comes to being rule followers, I think the majority of the people I am related to or tend to follow the rules more than uh, question things for themselves and question authority. Mm -hmm. I, I got it, man. Uh, it, we got to drop truth into our family and friends a little bit at a time and maybe they'll absorb some of it, not all of it. And gradually, like you said, get woke or what, whatever the terminology is nowadays. The original term. Right. But, you were talking about the first time you smoked weed was really a game changer for you. And I know the original logo for your, your podcast was you with a blunt in your mouth. And I'm a blunt guy, man. That That's mad respect for me. I, Tyler's always dr over here drinking beers, and I'm taking the hit from the blunt while we're doing these shows. And it marijuana and psychedelics can definitely open doorways to uh, different things. But I think it was Carl Jung that said only... You, you have to earn the wisdom. So you can't just go into these things, all these psychedelics and different drugs. No worries. So what are we getting into there? You're uh, talking about blunt, and I'm fucking with you, dude. I could go on 30 minutes about blunt because, listen, when I had this moment of inspiration, right, it was smoking weed that kind of pushed this along, but it was the introspective dimension of weed, right, and... That pushed me further and further. And I was smoking all kinds of shitty blunts back then. But yeah. when I met my first mentor, my first spiritual mentor, he, he taught me about the real value of tobacco. So I'm like, okay, this is not just something that the cigarette companies are right. poisoning. This is something that's valuable that they're poisoning because they don't want us to have the organic version of it. So that kind of got me going. And yeah, tobacco... I wouldn't recommend it to everybody. It's not healthy, but definitely not the cigarettes not that they have. Either. What's that? If you're smoking like menthol cigarettes with all of those different chemicals and shit, that that's poison. But right. I hell with that. I agree with you. Like a raw tobacco could could have some benefits to it. It's not. And, well, here's the real deal. I mean, people have been smoking tobacco for thousands and thousands of years. Right. You know, cancer is as new as GMOs in Monsanto. Correct. So. You know, we can see the very obvious correlation there. That's why, personally, you know, we have to be able to... I was just talking to my girlfriend about this yesterday because we are like, talking about American spirits. Like, oh, should mm -hmm. we smoke it? It's organic. Can we trust them? And it's like, you know, until we get to the point where we can grow our own tobacco, yeah, maybe we're going to trust these companies that, who knows, they might not have our best interests in mind. But I've always loved Backwoods because oh, yeah. <laughs> they're unprocessed. And mm -hmm. what I mean by that is, like, take a look. I don't know if you guys put the video out, but you'll see this, and maybe the listeners 
and see this if you do put the video out. Mm -hmm. But when you have a backwoods, it's a leaf. It's a straight up leaf. This is the right. leaf that grew out of the ground and then they cut it into this shape and maybe they put, put something on it. I doubt it because I get the like the original flavored mm -hmm. ones. So there's no like fruits. But honestly, how this relates is tobacco is a masculine energy plant. Cannabis is a feminine energy plant. When you roll them together and smoke uh, them, you get the duality. A effect, man, you're getting something that's truly powerful. And and Amos, you know, with all of his wisdom, he told me that yeah, man. I mean, cannabis has been in the Americas for thousands of years before the Spanish came, before all these people came. So. I mean, they've been rolling blunts in America for a long ass time, <laughs> yeah. guys. It's a tradition. Let's get with it. And I think that when I started smoking blunts and, and honestly treating tobacco as a sacrament, it added value to my spiritual perspective and it added focus and concentration to my meditations. And I always smoke when I drive because I believe that driving puts you in an altered state of consciousness, which you know, accesses that part of your brain, the left brain thinking, because you're, you know, I don't know if I'm getting right and left correct, but whichever mm. brain is focusing on driving, right. the other side of your brain is focusing on learning at a hyper a hyper pace. So podcasting, driving, and smoking blunts, that's my magic alchemy Dude, right there. Dude, this guy is speaking my language. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I'm seeing myself in them. And I'm glad you're speaking so highly of blunts because some of my other weed-friendly friends talk shit they're like why don't you smoke bongs it's so much cleaner and stuff and i'm like it's just not the same effect for me it's like i well, gotta... You gotta also consider that like you are smoking a plant at a temperature with a lighter that might be removing some of its beneficial qualities right That's so true. every time you hit a bowl or a, or a bong you're fucking you're roasting that shit directly to the Absolutely. flame whereas a blunt the temperature yeah you know, it's it slower it's down, a lower burn slowly it, you you keep that cherry burning you know that it's really it's an intimate thing i'm not gonna mm -hmm. sit here and act like uh you know some hipster and tell people oh if you're not smoking blunts right but, <laughs> you know mitch you you respect that i believe because you fucking sensed yeah. it too you you've experienced it too so if anyone's interested give a shot <laughs> i love it i roll up games because like backwards they're a little more like leafy rather than the, that process thing you're getting from a swisher, but they're still not, the, I, I get it. They're not as good as backwoods, but uh, I was down in North Carolina this past weekend for a board game tournament and we were driving by tobacco plants growing out of the ground. And I was, I stopped and I was like, go, go grab one of those. We'll roll it up tonight. But we, we didn't, but <laughs> it was wild seeing the tobacco farms growing all that. Yeah, you can do that. I mean, mm -hmm. as a matter of fact, I, you know, Connecticut, where I live, the first process that was ever commercially sold from Connecticut, and we have this place called Tobacco Valley in the northern part of Connecticut where it was first settled. So, yeah, tobacco is pretty, you know, it's a crop that has a lot of history in this world, and mm -hmm. especially in this continent. But I think there's something spiritual about it. I think all plants have a medicine to offer us, you know, some more severe than others and sometimes there's a lot of side effects to not being responsible with your engagement of the right. plant medicine right Absolutely. you could overuse these things and then they don't become medicinal right that's the key is to be responsible and let them act as an empowering agent rather than disempowering yourself by saying oh i'm nothing without 
getting high or I'm nothing if I don't have my drink, you know? Right. Just don't get it twisted. Don't let it control you. Yeah. Alcohol is plant medicine too. I mean, you're, you're getting in moderation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's concentrated. It's alchemized, but what we're talking about here comes from a plant. You can't separate it any further. So, Mm -hmm. you know, alcohol, yeah, it's a industrial product, but it comes from plants, the fermentation process, and there's varieties, varieties of it. But I think that people got just as much spiritual value back in the day from a good organic beer as opposed to like smoking some pot because it was organic. It was natural. Nowadays, you get like a Coors Light. That thing's full of like filtered fluoride water. Right. (laughs) It's it's not. Mm -hmm not good for you so it's not that beer and alcohol is bad it's the process it's the industrialization that's made these plant medicines more concentrated and easier to abuse so on the topic of beer did you ever hear anything about back before they were fermenting plants to make alcoholic beverages that they used to ferment psychedelic mushrooms and that used to be how they used to drink beer really you've never heard anything about that yeah that, I mean, it was a practice that started about, in europe know, like Fly agaric mus- mushrooms being, you know, fermented into a brew, and that's something like the shamans in the Loblan oh, yeah. and, and Siberia do. But mm-hmm. I don't, I never heard of the psilocybin mushroom being used in that way. No, but that's well, definitely, I don't doubt it. I think that's really compelling. Th- that was probably more of a ritualistic experience rather than an everyday drink. But monks have been brewing beers and wines for thousands of years some of the oldest styles of wine have come from monks doing it the same way for thousands of years it's a it's an old practice that you know modern day we kind of corrupted a little bit with our mass production processing ways but at its base it can be a good thing in moderation without a doubt and yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely i think you know the one Part where I might go a little out of the traditional camp when we're talking plant medicines is like I'm very suspicious of uh, DMT. I, I trust really? ayahuasca. I think ayahuasca right. is interesting, but I don't know, you know, if it's being used responsibly or in the ritual way that it was intended. I, I think the same way, kind of with shrooms versus acid. Like I, yeah. I trust the shroom. I don't trust acid because it's made in a lab. It's man-made. It's probably just it. It would be like smoking spice instead of weed. Like it's it's just not the right thing. Well, I, that wouldn't. I mean, I would disagree with you because there's a, and this is no slight to you. No, no. But okay. this is, uh, you know, there's some LSA. That Mm -hmm. occurs naturally in morning glory seeds, which the indigenous people here in America were using to have psychedelic experiences. And LSD is just, you know, it comes from ergotamine, which is a naturally occurring thing. So it's not completely... Right, but it's still going through that processing phase, and that's where it gets a little worse in my mind than shrooms but well well, similar to dmt how when you drink it in the form of ayahuasca you have to boil it down so that your the root adds like an enzyme if i'm I'm not mistaken is Mm -hmm. the same process need to be applied for the lsa and lsd that naturally occurs in plants or can you just pick up a you said a morning glory and eat the seeds and interest yeah you're talking about what's called an meoi right inhibitor yeah right so that's that's what causes your liver liver to accept the dmt in Mm -hmm. a way that your immune system and your you know gut would normally reject it 
Okay. Now, whether or not that's the case for LSD, I believe the the whole idea of you know the state that you engage with it is like liquid. It will kind of come through your your pores or your blood vessels and seep in that way. Mm. That might be it, but I'm not a chemist, man. I don't know, <laughs> but I do I do think that like when we say certain things are chemical and certain things are natural it's almost like it's a little bit of a difference like in concentration right whether yeah. something's organic or not because everything's organic yeah. man we're all you know other yeah. than the chem like chemicals toxins they're organic they're just not good for us you know so Correct. everything comes from the earth to a certain degree it's yeah right. when we process and concentrate things down to their toxic parts becomes really bad yeah Mm-hmm. Well, one thing I hear you talk a lot about on your live streams and podcasts is synchronicity. And it's one thing that I'm really into. Whenever I feel like I'm getting a sign from the universe, I follow it, you know. And a, a lot of people don't even know what the word synchronicity means. And w- would you like to explain it for them and talk about the importance of uh, following the universal path? Wow. <laughs> That's a challenge, man. Yeah, it, it's a deep say, question, but... <laughs> no, it's, yeah. no, it's not uh, anything I can't take on. <laughs> I, would, I would ask people to, if they would, imagine the first time you ever had deja vu. Okay? And remember that feeling of outside of your consciousness, right? Because for most people, I think you have this inner world that becomes obvious around your teenage years, right? When you're a kid, everything kind of fits together as far as consciousness goes. You know, you're, you're from one experience to the next, the people that you know and love are pretty close to you. But as you get older, you start to make friends who you don't see as much, that consciousness, the separateness of everything kind of comes into play. And I think deja vu is a slight reminder of that wholeness that we are when we're children and we're connected to everything and and time doesn't exist in the same way it does after you have that adolescent awakening of consciousness and then where this fits in even deeper because deja vu is like a feeling it's like the basis for synchronicity in my opinion my perspective it's not really an opinion synchronicity is the universe to put this super like plane Mm -hmm. is the universe vibrating to you in a way that reveals your true purpose. So you as a human being chose to come into this world with a purpose in mind. And it's like you're being tested almost. Like if you don't make the right choices, you might not end up in that purpose that you chose. And then it might take another life to get there, right? This is kind Mm -hmm. of, again, my spiritual perspective, not really based in anything other than intuition and research of other spiritual thinkers. But yeah, I think synchronicity is a, is like a key or a sign or a clue when you're on your path. And, and when you start to become aware of them, you start to recognize what their function is. And it's just like mm-hmm. I said, it's an indicator. It, it's know, a little it's nudge in the right direction from... Yeah, well, some... it depends on your purpose, though, too, because it's just very intimate and personal. That's why when you asked me, I almost 
felt like I couldn't answer it, but I can. And that's thank you. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity because one thing that I've set as an intention is to show people how synchronicity can become an active force in their life the same way it has mine. So for those who don't know, I book uh, guests for Tim Boyle Hat, mm-hmm. uh, Sam Tripoli. And that all happened to me in such a synchronistic way. I'm not an agent. You know, I didn't, I've never been to California, you know, I I barely even learned anything about entertainment, but because I intimately knew this genre of podcasting, because it's such a huge passion of mine and a thing to research. And it's so important to me, like the audio learning format has accelerated my consciousness so much. So Long story short, Sam gave me this beautiful opportunity to work with him, and it was really a synchronistic event. And what I'm starting to understand is the more I separate myself from the traditional matrix, meaning I don't have a traditional job, I'm living by basically what I get paid from the various people I work for, that I've made those connections, you know, just like this, like we're talking here. Right. Um. And that's all very synchronistic. And I think that there is a way for people to accelerate that factor in their lives. And that's the experiment I'm undergoing right now. It's called the synchromistic experiment in the ever-expanding now. And the Hmm. plan is to record a story. The story is unfolding in my life right now. And as the story progresses, we're going to release episodes. And I hope that the, the hope is that people will see sides of my personal life, not for the sense of like, oh, look at Mark, he's so interesting, but so that they can take things that are happening to me in my life and then apply it to their own life, you know. So it yeah, will awesome. be interesting. You might learn a few things about my adventures, but that's not the goal. I don't want, you know, that to be the content. I want it to be how the synchronicity is accelerating my journey and expanding this process of, of knowing and learning because that's, I never, you know, felt like I was an expert at anything, but that's why Sam hired me. Cause I knew who all the experts were. Yeah, right. like, Hey, dude, you gotta have this guy on, you gotta have this guy on, this guy's really smart. And that's what I, you know, when I go on podcasts, I always, if I'm talking about a particular subject, I try to tell people who I learned about this stuff from like right. for instance right now everything i'm talking about was hugely inspired by michael wan so i had michael wan on my podcast before any mm-hmm. of this really unfolded in a major way and him and i we hit it off he's you know, the uh susquehanna alchemy guy right yes. yeah I've, <laughs> I've listened to his stuff yeah so mike is a really cool guy and you know i gave him the opportunity to be on tinfall hat a couple times so i was like you know what let me ask him to be on my show, you know, not that far of a stretch. We're doing pretty well. So I have him on my show and, you know, he's like showing me this wand that he made, you know, like a real deal magic wand, you know, cause magic I'm into that wand. shit. I make, you know, all kinds of cool stuff like that art and yeah. crystals and things like that in a personal way. I'm not like promoting an Etsy or something like that. It's all for myself. And, mm-hmm. and Mike showed me his wand. So I'm like, Hey dude, check this out. I showed him mine, you know? <laughs> and, and then one thing led to another and I'm like, at his place in Pennsylvania. We've been friends ever since in this kind of professional, but also really authentic way. Because like, yeah, it's a job, 
for a lot of us doing this podcasting thing. It's a hobby. It's a job. A lot of people want it to be a career mm-hmm. like me, not quite there yet, but I'm on my way to it. We'd like know. that also. <laughs> We're at the hobby level. <laughs> yeah. So, but you, but you, you get what I mean. Like yeah. you, you put certain time into this and then there's a camaraderie, right? Mm-hmm. Like us yeah. talking right here. This Build a community. This is the only time I'm, I'm going to invite you guys on my show. I'm All sure right. you guys, if you're kind enough, would have me back on. Absolutely. And this is the kind of real authentic relationship that's built using these matrix tools that are normally holding most people back right so we're taking the matrix back fuckers let's fucking do this and i'm sorry i'm cursing so much but no we swear all the time (laughs) the revolution will be podcasted Uh, good so i was just wondering like as you go along your spiritual synchronistic journey do you have any any tips you can give people who are out there looking to find their purpose because there are a lot of lost souls out there people who just have no idea what they're doing and and in my opinion it's it's the cause of the epidemic of anxiety and depression that we have in the country and in in the world that's because people are living in the future or living in the past if they're depressed it's passing anxious it's future people got to live in the now like mark is yeah, but it's more than that, and I appreciate you and saying that because you're absolutely right. But I also appreciate you giving me an opportunity to to answer that question because I am always on the lookout for those answers myself because I want to yeah. improve my life. You know, that's I, I'm no I don't come from you know I'm from Connecticut. Oh, you probably heard there's a bunch of rich people here. Well, guess what? I'm not one of them. <laughs> you know, so like I've always had a feeling of like there's a pressure on me to make something of myself, and I've always loved helping people, teaching people. I used to teach martial arts classes. I'm a black belt in. in I would call it American martial arts, but really it's a combination of things. But yeah, that's where that came from. So my advice to people is you have to start with yourself. If you don't love yourself, I mean, that's the first thing. And that goes into relationships, that goes into family, that goes into career. You have to love yourself. And if you can't, why? Ask why and figure Mm -hmm. that out because there are things holding that back that you can get down to the bottom of and open up this thing called your magnetic heart because that's where it all starts. Your chakra system has seven points. Where's the middle point? It's the fourth one in the middle, your heart. Right. That's actually one of the reasons I started this podcast. I've always had a lot of trouble with my throat chakra, public speaking, lying, stuff like that. And this podcast has helped me work through that, become a better speaker and be able to talk to people truthfully and honestly face to face, you know, and it's all about learning what your defaults, like what, what you're good at, what you're not good at and fixing those things. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's, I would say, don't be afraid to be critical with yourself Mm because who else is going to be like, don't be afraid to be hard on yourself. You should be the hardest one on yourself. I think mm-hmm. that you should be your not worst critic born like that, but you should be, you know, striving for improvement. I think if you have just that, you're great, you know, mm-hmm. and the information will come to you because I, my journey is way different than yours, even though we're into a lot of different things, right. you know, and there's people out there who aren't into any of this stuff whose journey is completely different. But we can all improve ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. And through improving ourselves, we improve the whole. So synchronistically, 
you know, when you start to improve yourself, the universe is going to offer more opportunities to continue that growth. That's where you start to notice the synchronicity. Right. So one tip that I have is to be playful, okay, because the universe is a game. Life is a game. Life is even an illusion. So if life is a lot of people say that, why don't you pick what kind of illusion it is? Right. Make make your own reality. There there is a there is a lot to that because we all know those guys that are happy go lucky and it just seems like they can do no wrong. Like nothing goes wrong for these guys Mm -hmm. and they just float through life enjoying it and they magnetically attract everything that they want in their life. It's it's crazy. But yeah. I think that improving yourself is the foundation of it and being playful and not taking yourself too seriously. Like I said, be hard on yourself when it comes to being honest, but don't take life seriously enough that it's not a game anymore because that's the fun of it. Improving yourself can be fun. So that's kind of where the synchronistic experiment or the synchromistic experiment (laughs) now is really developing because I think through my journey of self-improvement, our journey of self-improvement, we can inspire other people to improve themselves in this really radical way, in a way that, you know, isn't available. You can go get relationship, run-of-the-mill relationship, life advice, anywhere. But this Mm -hmm. is fine-tuned to people who see the matrix for what it is and want to overcome the matrix. We have had a great time getting to know everyone in this uh, truther community. It's really a a tight-knit group. Some people, uh, you know, fight between each other, whether uh, one conspiracy is right or the other. But we all are uh, very loving and kind and j- just want everyone to do well. Yeah, there's you know? plenty to go around in this mm-hmm. community. Yeah, no, and that's what's so cool about podcasting is it's not competitive, you know, like we can all have a thousand people, 10,000, 100,000 people that support us and that doesn't interfere with anyone else being supported because, you know, I only put three hours out of content a week. There's a lot more hours in the week for you can, you know, listen to other shows too. So I don't think there's any competition and that's what makes it so fun, you know, joining you guys on this show and having you guys on my show eventually because Mm -hmm. we just keep adding to this uh, conversation. Exactly. It's all about the conversation. So, so you mentioned like how we're communicating over this digital platform that that's one of the tools that the matrix provides for us to help pursue our purpose and spread knowledge and help other people. But do you think that there are things put in this matrix matrix that are used as roadblocks by the powers that be? Absolutely. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people who will, you know, give 95% truth because that 5% truth is the cul-de-sac at the, you know, right before the last stop at the, right. you know, the gold. You get diverted right at that last exit and you never figure out the real reason you're all heading down that road. So I definitely think you have to be trusting yourself first. And that's why I recommend start with your heart. Tune your magnetic heart because that's your intuition. That's going to tell you uh, whether or not you can trust the people that you're you're learning these things from. I mean, Mm -hmm. you should listen to your heart first. Absolutely. I'm all about that. Mark, before we ask you the last couple questions, do you want to tell the people where they can find you and all your work? Thank you. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. a cool opportunity. (laughs) 
MyFamilyThinksI'mCrazy.com <laughs> is the place. There it if is. If you really want to get the deep cuts and the real info, it's Patreon.com slash MFTIC. That's where the synchronistic, synchromystic experiment and the ever-expanding now is taking place for now, you know, under construction. Things are kind of in the works, but... We do have big plans for that, but yeah, thanks for letting me. Yeah, it's all about the journey, not the destination, right? (laughs) All right, one thing I wanted to ask you is if you had one or two book recommendations for someone that was just getting into, like, the truther or conspiratorial realm, what would be the the top top of your list? Well, as you can see, I kind of... Got a lot to pick from. So my favorite book of all time is The Secret History of the World by Mark Booth. Not for any particular reason other than it was like the book that expanded my mind at Mm -hmm. a key point in my life. And the other book that did that for me is The Teachings of Don Juan Ayaki Way by Carlos Castaneda. So Mm -hmm. my book recommendation is not those books. Why I bring that up is because those books were what I needed at that point in my journey. And those books will always mean so much to me because of that. So my advice to people is again, follow your heart because your heart is going to show you that book. That's perfect for you. Now, if somebody wants like a general, you know, how to guide on a lot of this stuff, Mm -hmm. the secret teachings of all ages by Manly P hall is probably one of the most all encompassing books. He covers a lot that you can learn more about through all these, you know, different podcasts that I love. But I I mean, I would recommend people listen to podcasts more than read books. Books If books aren't your game. Yeah. Podcasts are definitely way to go. If you're not a big reader, the book that also it's a more active way to learn. I've found, at least maybe that's just how I am. But I think like being able to keep your body doing something while you're listening mm -hmm. to something, it just helps memorize for whatever reason. Yeah, back when I had my nine to five job, I would always just have an earphone in listening to them. And like you said, I'm a big driving and listening to the podcast guy. The book that kind of set me in the right path at the right time was The Ancient Secret to the Flower of Life by Drunvalu Melchizedek. Mm, it has okay, a lot so of like, it, it got all mean, kinds of shit. Yeah, see now, mm-hmm. this is something that highlights my point because mm-hmm. that's a book that I've never got despite the fact that it's come into my life so many times and i've had that feeling of like oh i should get that so that was me not listening to my intuition (laughs) and maybe here's the universe giving me you know another sign another little nudge yeah 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 it's pretty good it has a about 80 percent of really great hard-hitting info and then a little 20 percent that's a little out there iffy but still it's worth the read he takes that last name Malk. Malchizedek or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's like a. Is that an ascended master or a channeled being? It's like the universal school of ascended masters, the Malchizedek like college or whatever. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm into that stuff. I think there's definitely a fifth dimensional consciousness that's speaking to us in this realm through certain people, channeled material. Definitely, you know, again, use your heart, use your intuition because it's not all the same, mm-hmm. but I don't discount it. You know, I have a couple books back here from Channeled Beings and the Law of Attraction material from Esther Hicks was a yeah, huge part great. of uh, building the foundation for what I now apply 
to my life and I've applied it in a way that is very synchronistic. That's why it's not hard for me to explain synchronicities, but it's not easy to give a concise definition. of right. it It's hard it to put into exact words for sure. Mm. Yeah. And it, it means something for everybody in, mm-hmm. in a way too. It, it's, it's a very intimate thing. Synchronicities. Without a doubt. Do you have anything before we wrap up? Um, no, man, we just got to do it again. I look forward to getting back on here and talking about some more things that are like some things that are currently going on in our world. I want to get your opinion on a lot of that mm-hmm. whenever we have some more time, but we'll definitely have to do it again. Yeah, Mark, thank you very much for giving us some of your time. We'll get sent down the whole another another route next time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely uh, willing to come back and go into the Manly P. Hall stuff deeper. For and sure. Anything else you guys want to talk about, I'm game. Let's do it. Hell yeah. Well, have a good night, brother. We'll, See you later, man. Uh, fin- take a puff of that uh that backwood for me. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Peace, brother. Peace. Well, there you have it, rabbit holers. That was Mark Palmer Steves. We got into synchronicities, finding your purpose in life, which I personally think is the most important thing we can talk about. We talked about book recommendations, weed, blunts, psychedelics. All kinds of good stuff. You name it. I hope you liked it as much as I did. We'll definitely have them on again. And that should do it for now. Take it away.